So welcome everybody to episode zero of the Expression Podcast. Uh, this is something that I'm super excited about. We're going to introduce you to our co-hosts. We're going to tell you why we're doing this, what we're doing, uh, what to expect from our show coming in the future. And we'll go from there. Um, I guess I'm just going to start saying I'm Brian. Hi, everybody. Uh, with me is Aurora. We have Mark. We have Ryan. We're going to go into exactly why we're all doing this and all of our backgrounds and so on and so forth in just a second. But um, something I think that's really interesting about the word expression and um, why expression is so important, especially during you know our COVID times that we're all in right now, there's a pandemic going on. Some of us are on lockdown. Some of us aren't. Um, a lot of us are kind of going crazy with pent up creativity that we're not really able to express and to get out there. And it's so cool with expression because everybody has their own unique story. Uh, one of the things I teach when I'm running my workshops or doing a one on one with somebody is you've got to figure out who you are and what voice you're trying to have before you have to worry about uh, all the little settings and all the other little things that go along with my world, which is photography. Um, being that all of our experiences are unique and where we were born and how we were raised and all these things that influence our own personal self-expression, uh, being that that's so important, I figured a show about everybody's individual everybody's individual journey would be pretty awesome to hear about. So I reached out to some friends that I thought would be awesome to have on here and they said yes, which I am stoked about. So I'm getting a little excited. This is episode zero. I'm stoked. I think we should be excited. I was going to say, we should be excited. I think so. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation. Um, we're going to talk. We're going to find out why we're here. Uh, before we do that, though, I just want to remind people, if you're just watching this, uh, click like if you're watching this. If you're watching on YouTube, maybe subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, be a part of what we're doing. Make comments. Let us know what's going on. Maybe give us some suggestions of people you think are extremely creative and have learned how to get their own voices out there. Uh, because I think everybody can learn from everybody else. And I think this show is about bringing everybody up together and not putting anybody down. So I'm really looking forward to that part of it. Uh, mental health is real. We're going to talk something about that. I think we each have our own little causes that we'll probably dip into as we go through our, our journey in this podcast. Uh, but until then, let's talk to us. Let's find out what we're all up to. And I'm going to ask Aurora, actually, if you wouldn't mind starting off and maybe um, give us an idea of why you said yes when I came to you and asked you to do this. And um, I think you and I kind of started this together, though, didn't we? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, hi, guys. My name's Aurora Robinson. Um, I don't know if you guys can see my name on the the thing, but um, it just says Aurora. My name is Aurora Robinson. Um, I actually work with Brian at Henry's. Um, I'm the manager at the New Market location. Um, She's and my I boss. <laughs> 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 uh, even though I haven't worked for Henry's as long, but almost as long. <laughs> oh, pretty much as long. I mean, really. <laughs> like a couple very, years. Very close. Um, okay. I'm just old, so, you know. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess the reason why I said yes is we've been running, both me and Brian have been running these live stream workshops out of the Henry's New Market location, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, previous to that, I started a photo club at the Thornhill store. And I had a lot of fun with that. Um, so I wanted to, with the new times of COVID um, and, uh, you know, people being stuck at home, not being able to do stuff, I wanted to be able to 
be accessible to people who can't go out to a store, who can't uh, see uh, people in person. And I got talking with Brian about how we could do that. And, and he's just like, so why don't we do live? And I'm like, yes, let's do it. And uh, you seemed a little surprised, I think, when I said, let's just do it. But well, there had been conversation <laughs> before you were there about doing things. And, you know, it took a little bit more effort to get things rolling. Uh, and the fact that you didn't just want to do it, but you were willing to actually do them as well. Yeah. Was oh. a little different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we did uh, quite a few different uh, photography workshops and video workshops together and separate in our own content and stuff. We were able to uh, come up with some unique content um, that inspired us. And um, I have a friend who uh, watches them consistently. She puts them on in the background. She's doing work. And she said to me, why don't you guys start a podcast? I would totally listen to that because that's basically how I'm treating these already. So I, I brought that up to Brian and uh, he was like, I've been wanting to start a podcast for so long. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's why I, I, I joined. So that's yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, you also have a pretty unique story and uh, a story behind your expression behind your creativity behind what made you want to work at a Henry is and make photos and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so I can go into a little bit about that. Um, I've had a passion for art in many different forms since I was little. Um, basically my family from both sides um, has art kind of in ingrained into it. On my mother's side, uh, music is a huge thing. Almost everybody in my family plays a musical instrument, sings or plays multiple of them. Um, Christmas parties at my uncle's house, we just like jam out and sing along to songs. And he has a whole band set up in the basement. And although I'm a little nervous to do that kind of stuff, um, I have you know some really talented family members. So ever since I was little, with I was brought up with that. And on my dad's side, uh, dance and uh, figure skating and that kind of stuff was super big in my family. Um, my aunt actually is, uh, she, for many years, she was a professional Ontario figure skater. And um, my dad did figure skating and I have cousins who are in break dancing and have toured across Canada and the world. We actually have one of them coming on as a guest um, in future ups, uh, episodes. So that's kind of cool. That's so cool. Actually, I'm just going to stop you for a quick second. And a big <laughs> reason why I think you and I both love the idea of doing this show so much is it's so diverse. We're going to have break dancers. We're going to have musicians. We're going to have photographers. So break dancer. I mean, that's awesome. And he's your cousin. Yeah. So sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's different. So I mean, ever since I was little, I was exposed to this. And so I kind of uh, from a very, very early age, I was taught figure skating and I was given lessons by my grandmother who loves figure skating. And um, uh, it was probably almost 10 years of my life I, I figure skated and did uh, full routines with uh, groups of people or on my own and performed in competition. And it is very expressive. It's like dance, <laughs> dancing on ice. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, and uh in the midst of that, I did dance lessons, um, which I had a lot of fun with as well. But as I got older, I really started to connect with music. I mean, um, ever since uh, early elementary school, I was in the choir and I wanted to take 
uh, music more seriously. I wanted to learn an instrument. I wanted to not just sing. I wanted to be able to express music in a different way. So I shifted my interests from figure skating and dance and went into that music uh, field. Um, and uh, I had always had an interest in any piece of art, like creating paintings or drawings, but I never was good at it. <laughs> um, so Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Yeah. I, say, I can't even draw a stick figure straight, so don't feel bad. <laughs> no, me, neither, me neither. I can't draw either, so you're not alone there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. My I have two siblings who are incredibly talented with drawing and painting, but I just, I guess I missed that that bar on that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, I can yeah. relate. I can yeah. relate. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, so we would kind of we would kind of do that, um, and then, like I was saying, as I got older, I was pretty interested in music. I, I took some music lessons, and and then I went into end of elementary school, early high school, and I had um, a friend of the family. Um, I call him my uncle, although he isn't really blood related. Um, he saw that I was having fun taking pictures on my my dad's new camera. Um, it was just a little brick Canon point and shoot. Um, and he said, if you can take pictures on this, you can take pictures on anything. It was an old manual film SLR. And that's what, you know, got me into photography. And I was sold from then on. Music is still a part of my life. It's one of the reasons why I'm with my boyfriend um, and have been for over 10 years. Um, that's how we connected. Uh, but uh, photography kind of took uh, took took over. Um, I, I found a way to creatively express my artistic eye. And I had a lot of fun with the science and the chemistry behind film and, and photography. Um, so, yeah, that's well, kind not of just that. I, it sounds to me, too, like you were able to experiment with different forms of expression before finding the one way that you really enjoyed, right? Like you said, yeah. you were able to do dance, you were able to do figure skating. So you were able to really like try these different forms of expression and and know that you enjoyed art and know that you you had a passion for it, but it wasn't until you found photography that really sparked that that love. So yeah, is that it fair really to say? Connected with, yeah, it really connected with me. Music is yeah. still something that I love. I sing along to things every day, but you know, as a profession, as something that I would do day to day, photography just clicked. Um, it, it, ah, it, it clicked. It, it clicked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize I said that. No, no um, you're so intended. funny. You're so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and since that moment, I've I've done some pretty cool things with photography. Like I said, I started that photography Henry's Club, um, doing those uh, photo walks and. Um, I went to school for creative photography at Humber and learned like the commercial side of photography, the lighting, doing like a three or five point lighting system. Um, I've been published in Canadian uh, magazines and newspapers, which was really exciting when that came around. Um, and I've displayed my art um, in, uh, did we lose my camera? Yeah, yeah we lost your that. video feed there. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Since this um, is going to be mostly audio, I, I, we figured we'd just let you continue your train of thought. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, I just saw it from the corner of my eye. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've I, uh, been published in magazines. I've uh, been able to display my art in art galleries at Scotiabank contact exhibits and in the Unionville area and things awesome. like that. And I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, 
So yeah. It's that's great me. for building your confidence when you can get your work out there and people can see it and yeah. and, and get some sort of recognition that you're doing something well that way. Um, especially when you've done so many different things, like Ryan said, I mean, with all the different things you did before you got into photography, uh, it's always great to get feedback. But when you start getting the feedback that you're like, we're going to hear from Mark about some of his scavenger hunt contests and so on. How, when you win things, it just, it gives you that confidence that you can just do better. Um, by the way, when my video cut out earlier, I had to back out of the room and come back in. So I don't know if okay. that's a trick you want to give a shot. But um, before you go, do we have questions for Aurora as far as um, her history or any of that kind of stuff? I think my question would be when you were in figure skating, because as you mentioned, your family has a, a history of it. It's a background, obviously, and you spent 10 years in figure skating. Did you love figure skating the entire time through? Or was there a point where you started to fall out of love prior to when you left? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I was little, I loved it. Uh, I got pretty nervous about because I'm a little, I have a little bit of a stage fright. I get a little bit nervous. Um, so I had a little bit of that. I didn't like when I was younger, we had so many ridiculous costumes. Um, and there's this picture of me, I, I have to find it. Maybe I can pull it up for this. Um, I got my first camera as a gift um, from, for Christmas or something. And around that time I had, um, uh, I uh, had this figure skating uh, routine where we had these bug costumes that had to go over the helmet and it created like this big bug head. And I <laughs> hated the costume. My mom wanted to get a picture of me because she thought it was so cute. And I oh, was just, just a picture. Just a picture. I imagine there would have been a million pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, she wanted to get pictures of me, and I just grabbed the camera and I ran away. Um, and there's this picture of me that is me holding the camera, hiding behind in this bug costume, just not wanting to get a picture of myself. Um, and I guess that would be one of the things that I didn't like because there's a lot of ridiculous costumes. Um, but as I got older, I think what really got me out of it is. I was doing figure skating lessons like once a week, maybe twice a week max. Um, and my coach was saying that she wanted me to start getting into it professionally and competing not only for like the competitions for our area, which I was skating in Bradford at the time. Um, so uh, she wanted me to uh, start performing on a higher level and competing at a higher level. Um, and as a result of that, she wanted me to skate um, like three, four times a week. Uh, so it kind of was starting to put a strain on my social life and I couldn't really focus on music at that point. So that's why I kind of tailored out of skating and went into the music side of things. So that would be, yeah. I, I just knew when, when somebody told me they wanted me to do it professionally. They wanted me to focus the time on it. I just knew then that it, it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest yeah, of my it was, life. It was a hobby that you really enjoyed, but it wasn't something that you wanted to commit any more of your time to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's good when people can come to that realization and have that self-assuredness that they know that, you know, I can do this without having to do this. I think that's super important. That's That was definitely an eye-opener for me, which I'll talk about later. But um, mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Sure. We all like music. 
-hmm. So, you know, what's your jam? What's, what's that song that, you know, when you're trying to get stuff done and you're trying to, you know, get yourself feeling good, you're trying to make yourself feel better. What, what band and what song can, comes to mind for you that makes oh you say, yeah, yeah, that's my jam. That is such a hard question. I can never pick a favorite song. It doesn't never. have to be your favorite. Just, you know, one that you can think of that makes you just go, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Like Michael Jackson, Thriller. Yeah, it's awesome song. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Um... Michael Jackson Thriller. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> it's a good I'm it's learning so much about you, Brian. I'm learning so much. Yeah. Um, I love the Arkells. They're a Canadian band. Um, they're from Hamilton. They're amazing. I've gone to three or four of their shows with uh, Andrew, my boyfriend, um, and we just love them. Um, I missed going last year and this year because it's been kind of a tradition. Um, and they have this song called Leather Jacket. It was like their first big breakout song. Uh, and I love that song. Um, awesome. I'll listen to it up and down. Um, but I don't know, when you said getting to work and, and having a, a, a work song to kind of, I don't know, get you going, uh, one song came to mind was uh, Taking Care of Business oh, yeah. by Backman Turner Overdrive. Um, that I've loved since I was little. And I, I know that, we were talking about A Knight's Tale the other day, and that was one of my first experiences of that song, and I had a dance routine for it and everything. It was my favorite track on the CD, so, so I guess that funny. could be another one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from all places to find out about BTO song, it's well, from uh, <laughs> A Knight's I Tale. Am, <laughs> I am kind of on the younger side, so that could be that could be why. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one last yeah. question, unless Mark, you have something to ask. Yeah, actually, I, I did have a question because I think it sort of mirrors what my journey was when we get there. But um, when you were obviously your uncle gave you that camera and then you realized you had a passion for the photography. Um, and then, uh, of course, I snooped. I was on your website. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I have to ask, um, at what point did you say to yourself, OK, I want to take this from being a passion for taking pictures to then uh, make this a career where I'm gonna I'm gonna do photos full time, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do weddings and events and portraiture uh, for people. Um, and were you afraid that that would take some of the fun out of it? Uh, yeah. Th this is a really good question too. Um, so definitely, I was. Uh, I'll answer the last part first. Definitely, I was afraid that uh, it would start to take the passion. Um, out of it, it would start to take the funness out of it. Um, as much as I love photography and and uh, want to do it all the time, I feel like there's sometimes that that happens. But then you get reinvigorated with a project like what we're doing right now, and I just like love it again. Um, and I just want to shoot all the time and do something creative like the live stream. So um, I I guess in having that happen so many times throughout my creative process with photography as much as it, it's just a part of life. I, I know that it's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to get demotivated for whatever reason. It could be the world. It could be, it, it could be whatever, but um, it will always go up from there. So that's, that's the first part. The so second very part. Well said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, the second part to that question, it's kind of interesting. Um, so when I was in high school, I was 
trying very hard to have the arts as like my main courses um, and photography and videography were like my two top things that I wanted to do in high school. And um, I had this comm tech teacher um, who was teaching me video and video production and uh, all sorts of different things, photography, editing yearbook and, and all that. And he got into uh, a big conversation with us about how he was a video producer in television um, and how it put such a big strain on his relationship with his wife at the time, who they had a bit of a, obviously a falling out partially due to his career um, and uh, a big strain on being able, uh, being, um, missing basically a big chunk of his uh, kid's life um, because it was such a big thing. Um, and he actually gave me the suggestion to kind of, uh, you know, maybe go into something different than video production um, at the, like the high level. Um, so I kind of steered my focus towards uh, portraiture because a uh, portraiture and photography um, in general because I felt like it could fit within a family lifestyle it could fit within multiple um, you know uh, different careers if I have something as like a backup or whatever it may be uh, so it just seemed to make sense uh, it seemed to have a little less stress a little less strain um, I could be more of a freelancer and and have fun with it so uh, it was really him that uh, kind of steered me towards that direction. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's about end of high school when I really had to start thinking about where I was going to school and what I what I was going to do with my life. That's that's kind of where I figured it out. Does that answer your question <laughs> or questions? <laughs> Absolutely. That's uh, yeah. some great answers. Yeah. yeah. It's also cool to see how you kind of molded your uh, creativity to suit what would be best suited for future longevity and income. Yeah. And it's like uh, so many people will think, Oh, I have to do this and I will make this make me money where yeah. other people will say, all right, well I could do this and I can do this, but this is probably going to keep me happy. And this is going to give me the most flexibility and to take that route is logical. I like logic. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all like logic. <laughs> we do, we do, but not, not, not but not all good. around us. Yeah, <laughs> that's been proven lately. That's for sure. Um, anyway, so uh, if you guys don't have any more questions, should I try leaving and then? Oh, real quick, on? actually, Aurora, do you? Yeah. If you notice on your screen, is the camera option red? Oh yeah. It, Click. Yeah, red. you might have actually clicked that. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I was oh, wondering. Nice. I think you accidentally yeah. just clicked off the camera. Yep. There experience, we go. <laughs> experience. I love that you're here. Thank you. Hey, um, no problem. You. And there is one more question I have for you. So yes. um, one of the segments that we're going to do when we have other guests on the show is we're going to find out tools of the trade. So it isn't necessarily, you know, in our photography world, everybody does their what's in my bag videos. Uh, it's not a what's in my bag. It's, you know, what can, what do you use in your trade? that really contributes to the trade instead of just having, hey, look at my stuff, look at all this expensive stuff I have. Like from, I'll get to mine, but what do you consider to be uh, your classic tools of the trade? What, what's your go-to? Every shoot you go to, everything you wanna shoot, there's always something that you wanna bring with you. 
Mine is my cat, Dixie. She's right here. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. She doesn't come anywhere. She stays at home. The cats and the pets on the screen is just going to make me go into cuteness overload. <laughs> I want to so much. We're um, lose focus, exactly. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Squirrel. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Mark's cat earlier when we were talking, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't want to say anything. But <laughs> Nobody owns a cat. <laughs> the cat always owns you, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's true, it's true. I, I had a cat that passed away. It's it's a long story, but I have a tattoo of it right here. And you yeah, were expressing love your love for your cat through your tattoo. <laughs> you yeah. Go. Any pet, really, I would be over the moon for a dog or whatever. But anyway, um, so getting back to my tool, I, I feel like lighting. Uh, since I've learned how to light things, um, I, I, I think that's what I bring with me the most, finding a way to either modify the light or add light to a situation or even take away light from a situation. It just makes the photo just so much more different than if you were to use available light. Um, so for me, lighting is everything. Um, I know Brian is probably gonna say something similar. He's big on lighting too. Um, but I, when I was in school for photography, I uh, assisted um, and did a lot of work with uh, Michael Cooper. He's the like main photographer for the Canadian Opera Company. Cool. And one of the things he told me uh, when I was assisting with him for a long time uh, was it's not what you light, it's what you don't light. And that just stuck with me forever. Um, so for me, lighting is the most important thing. I just, it makes you stand out uh, from, from other things. So that would be my piece. Tool of trade, awesome. Very cool. Thanks Aurora. Well, everybody, Aurora Robinson, my boss and awesome person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, in the show notes, it has me going next. But since we're set up the way we are, Mark, why don't you go next? Oh, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I was sitting there like, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're, out, we're out of time. We got to go. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I guess um, I guess I'm uh, Mark Flinders, and uh, I, I guess I've known Brian since uh, well, I don't know when. It seems like forever, uh, which is a good thing. But uh, but no, I'm uh, I'm a, a freelance photographer myself, um, part time. Um, I do work full time for Shoppers Drug Mart uh, here in Canada. So obviously, uh, I know we're going to be uh, on the internet and, and uh, international. So um, <clears throat> so I do work for Shoppers Drug Mart full time. Uh, I live uh, now. I live in Thunder Bay. I moved for work. So Thunder Bay, Ontario, uh, obviously uh, a really, really beautiful part of the province. Uh, I had some opportunities last year to go out uh, with a camera and explore and uh, load uh, load myself and my wife uh, and, the, and the puppies in the car and off we would go and, and do some photo adventures. So that was that was fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's what I do. I used to uh, before I moved to Thunder Bay and obviously before uh, COVID had started, we uh, my wife and I uh, did a little bit of a, a photography business uh, on the side, doing weddings and uh, and portraiture for people, um, as well as taking pictures of just about anything that uh, that people would want us uh, to take pictures of. So um, that's sort of me in a nutshell, as far as uh, as who I am and, and what I do. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, what kind of influence do you like? We're always talking about how um, our life history 
brings us to enjoy the art we like and and brings us to enjoy the photos that we make in your case. Like I know your photos for, for a long time because I used to run a lot of workshops and uh, photo challenges and you used to submit a lot of photos for our challenges. And I always looked forward yeah. to when you did because there was always a different spin. It was always a little bit dark. It was always a little bit uh, outside the box thinking. And to me, when I issue a challenge, which by the way, we're going to issue challenges on every episode as well um, <clears throat> for those challenges are going to be picked by the, the, the guests, by the way, which is also very cool. Um, but when I issue a challenge, uh, whenever I saw yours come in, it was always like, you know, I didn't see it from that side or I, I knew Mark would take it there or, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was always a little bit dark. So where does that side come from? Yeah. So I think what happened to me was early in life, I had a cousin that was much older than, than me. Uh, and uh, he seemed to live to uh, scare the bejesus out of me. It was, it was his his life goal to scare me every time we were together. Um, so there was always, whether we were at their cottage or at their house, he would he would shut the lights off and run out of a room and tell me that there was a monster in the room or he would, uh, we would be out on his motorcycle and he would reach down and kill the fuel supply and then tell me it had died and that the, you know, it was getting dark and the werewolves were gonna come. Um, so he, he really spawned on me what was already a very overactive imagination. Awesome. Um, to, Thank to, you for yeah, that. Which was not at the time. It wasn't fun for me. <laughs> I had a, I had a lot of a lot of nightmares as a child, and I had a, a lot of a lot of things for me that were not fun as as a child because of that. Um, but then fast forward into my adult life, um, I, I've really found a, a passion for uh, for reading. Um, I love Stephen King. I love Dean Koontz. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of uh, a lot of horror movies. Uh, big fan of of shows like Criminal Minds. Ah, so, I love Criminal Minds. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, so, so when a, when a photo challenge is issued, um, one of the things I like to do is I like to take the the word or the phrase or whatever the challenge is, and and I like to think outside the box because um, if you if you handed me a word like uh, you know egg, you know it would be you know. I would think, okay, so there's going to be a lot of people doing fried eggs or broken eggs or cracked eggs, um, you know, a boiled egg. You know, wh what is a different take on that egg? Um, and then, and then you I have just a sort of woman giving birth with her legs up in the air with a baby coming up because she had an egg originally. And I mean, this is this is Mark Flinders right <laughs> no, here. No. All right, let's not go that extreme. This is really <laughs> outside the box. Exactly. I think I'm right here. I'm right. But no, I, I've never done. I've never done that one, but uh, <laughs> make a note. Uh, make a note, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I know. I always just try to think outside the box and, and what what can I do that nobody else is going to do? And uh, and the fun with it is, especially with your, your photo challenges, and I also do uh, photography scavenger hunts online, um, which used to be with the old Google Plus, and now they're, um, it's through Mighty Networks. Um, but we do those as well. And whenever they issue a words list, um, it's it's what are people not going to shoot? And then how do I use my skill set both with actually taking a photo and um, I love what you said, Aurora, and I'm gonna take that to heart, um, Not it, what not to light when I'm taking a picture. Um, I spend uh, an inordinate amount of time Photoshopping things out of my pictures that I didn't mean to be there. Um, so sometimes the light is hitting in the wrong spot. Um, and I try to think, okay, what is nobody else going to do? It needs to be so far outside the box that sometimes the box is that dot on the horizon, um, but it's still within the the flavor of the theme, um, just to make it a little bit different uh, when I'm when I'm creating that image. Um, 
so that's that's kind of the the fun part of the photography. I mean, I, I got into photography as a as a child. My dad um, is a photographer, um, and he always there was always a camera, and he was always taking pictures no matter where we went. Um, so part of that creativity, I, I credit my dad with. Like we'd be out walking the dog uh, while we were camping, and uh, I'm with the dog, and 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 I turn around and I'm talking to dad, and he's gone. And I'm like, Where, where's my dad? So I go, you know, back, you know, 30, 40 feet. And there's my dad lying in the mud, you know, trying to get a, a better angle on a mushroom or a flower or some sort of a weird, weird plant. I had no idea what it was, you know, um, but he was always trying to get that that better angle on on something. So it was it was interesting to be uh, from an early age spawned by that dad had a dark room um, in cool. the house when I was a kid. So that was kind of neat. I would often stand there while in the red light while he made enlargements and and things like that and uh so it was it was neat to see i'm a um, bit curious never... myself oh sorry go on yeah go no go ahead, go ahead. Uh, i'm just curious when you're talking about like these early memories is there a photo for you that stands out that you can look back on and just be extremely proud of like that first photo that you remember looking at and thinking i i'm actually very good at this or just something that you were so proud of uh i'm i'm not actually sure i've ever thought i've been very good at this <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I think back to, I, I think I was 11 or 12, um, and my dad gave me my first 35-millimeter camera, and it had a had a fixed uh, focal length on it, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't a really fancy camera, but it was completely manual. And um, I, I took a couple of rolls of film off it, and I completely failed. And then, uh, so I wanted to take a photography course so I could take pictures with my dad and like my dad. Um, and uh, so I signed up for a, a night school course uh, for photography. And it was actually at here at secondary school in Newmarket. And, uh, and I, I walked into the class and at no point when you're signing up for night school, does it ever, there's no age range on it. It's just, you know, okay, I'm signing up for photography. So I walk into this class and I'm like 11 or 12 years old and I'm the only kid in the class and it's all adults that are, well, my age now. So 29. Um, and, uh, <laughs> So we were, uh, I, I was, you can't you know, be 29. You gotta be 25 yeah, yeah, 20, at best. 25. So, so what happened was, uh, the teacher sort of pushed back a little bit at first, like can't have a kid. And I'm like, no, no, I, I want to learn. I have my camera. I'm here to learn. And I want to take pictures. So they allowed me to stay in the class. And my dad and I went out taking pictures, um, you know, for all my son, cause it was assignments, you know, we photo challenge now, but there were assignments and we had to, you know, take pictures and then develop the film. And I remember, uh, actually, Brian, um, you would probably even know the, the spots that I was because we've, we've done photo shoots there. Um, we were at Ferry Lake, uh, my dad and I taking pictures of trees and the railroad tracks to show perspective and things like that. And I remember getting that first crop of pictures for those assignments and looking at my perspective picture of the railway tracks disappearing into the distance or or the, the tree. Um, I believe it was a tree on Queen Street. And I think it's even still there. It's this huge oak tree um, that I took pictures of. It was in the fall. Um, and it was just a, a light with color. And uh, those are those pictures that I that sort of kept me creating and kept me doing my thing. Um, now, I, for a lot of years, I did fall out of photography, um, you know, with uh, the teenage years, it sort of wasn't it wasn't cool and, and whatnot. And um, but I always had a camera and, and then I started wanting cameras that it didn't matter if somebody if it got damaged or, or stolen, um, whether you were, you know, out, out diving with a bunch of guys and it got knocked into the, into the lake on a dive boat or something like that. It wouldn't matter. Um, so I went through a, a, a lot of a phase like that. And then I really started to get into um, higher end photography and better cameras. Um, I'm going to say probably 2002, 2003. 
um, when I got my first uh, DSLR, or maybe it was my first digital camera. Um, at that point, I'm trying to even think what the timeline was, but um, that's when I, I really started getting into it and enjoying the pictures and, and then wanting to take pictures like I'd seen, but couldn't do it. I couldn't pull it off. I didn't have the skill set to take a, a picture of a, um, you know, a, a car going by at night and having the light trails or uh, even a building at night with the lights that they never turned out. So I took, I started taking more and more courses um, to, to learn how to do that. So I, I took photography at Georgian college um, to learn how to take all those pictures and to learn how to use a lot of those tools. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, like I've interviewed you in the past. We did a, a show that never really happened, never aired called the frame um yeah. it was a miserable experience on my end because i had a studio i had all the resources i had everything possible and all the audio track and entire one half of the video tracks just went missing either stuff was formatted or what and i had all this great footage of interview with you talking about your uh, mississauga lighthouse on manitoulin island photo how it changed okay, your yeah. photography and i just never was able to do anything about it <laughs> so frustrating so i'm really happy that you're um doing this with me now so that uh we can get how good you are out there to everybody because oh. both you and aurora as far as photography goes i mean the skill sets are fantastic and i'm just i'm so thankful that you're both doing this with me here well thank you for having me i appreciate the invite it was uh when you asked me to do it i was at first i I was like, really? You know, you, me? You want me? Um, but uh, it was uh, was was neat. I mean, I, I I really I wanted to do it when you asked me. I didn't have to think about it long. Um, and normally, with a, a decision like this, where I'm committing my time to something, I would I would pass it by my wife first to make sure that she was okay with it. And and I, I went out there and I, I jumped on it and said yes before I asked my wife. <laughs> oh, uh, that's trouble. That it, is yeah, trouble. It could, it could have been, but uh, my wife is also very much my creative muse. Um, so a lot of times when we we're doing those scavenger hunts or um, I have we have done um, some work professionally doing portraiture and weddings um, and Chris is always with me and uh, she's always my muse and and uh, helping me with with posing and that because Chris is also an artist uh, herself so um, she's she's got a really great eye for it and quite often when we're somewhere she's like oh get a picture of that and I'll take a picture and she'll look at the back of the camera and go no 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 I angle it like this and from here and so I, I've done a lot a lot of learning from Chris as well awesome. on, on how, how compositions and all that stuff too. You guys are a great team. I remember when we were doing the photo shoot at wrestling and uh, you, you guys were both there. She was sitting in the audience being my audience for, uh, yeah. for a lot of it. It was, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, that was that was the day the SB six hundred died. That was yes. that was fun. <laughs> yes, took a took a dive right off the mat. Yeah, Ryan, you'd get a kick out of this. Yeah, the, took the, one for the team. Uh, Flash was mounted on the ring. Yeah, and I had the wrestlers jumping into the ring, and of course that impact. You've seen the rings bouncing around. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, if you remember, we you told me this story when we did our interview because uh, that yeah. was the story I remember. Was, uh, you never held it against the wrestler. It was one of those. It was a freak accident. No, and, that no, was different. Oh, is that story. a different story? That's a different yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. This this one, actually, um, you had it duct taped to the side of the ring, and I, I can't remember which way it was shooting, but one of the wrestlers had done one of the moves where he threw somebody into the ropes, and the other wrestler came back, and his heel hit it backwards and That's launched right. it. And That's it just right. it mm. went. It flew... I, I, I'm going to say 25 feet, 
it went and it landed <laughs> and to never work again. But you have um, to admit, I gave you a flash right there on the spot to replace it. Yeah, so. and I have that flash still. I use it, uh, not every day, but I use it every time I'm using off-camera flash. I use that flash. It still works great. The perks of owning nine <laughs> flashes. Yeah. yeah. I, think five, I think I've got five now. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just, they, they're like rabbits. They just accumulate, yeah. uh, multiply. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So speaking of gear, tools of the trade. What's your tools of the trade? Yeah, um, uh, we're out of time. I gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know that I really have a tool that, that I I take with me every time. I mean, I I think it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna be cliche and say creativity. Um, it, it has to be, it has to be the creativity because if you're not creating something, um, that somebody else didn't do, um, if you if you can't take a different angle on something or whatever. I mean, I, I remember. Uh, probably one of the first photography courses I ever took is, um, um, you know, I mean, at, at the time I was, I was just a kid, so I was probably five feet tall. Um, but the world is not five feet tall. The world is taller and the world is shorter. So sometimes when you're taking a picture, you have to look at it from that perspective. So like now I'm, I'm just over six feet tall. So if I were to I uh, take a picture of one of my dogs and I take it from six feet up. I'm looking down on the dog and it's a very uninspired photo and a weird angle. Um, but if you were to get down on the dog's level, which is tough because then you're down there like, Oh my God, he's on the floor. I have to play with him. So they come running. So that becomes tough in itself. Um, but to take a picture of whether it's a child or a dog um, or a, a car or something like that from a different angle and look at it from a way that other people aren't, um, and, and the cues from my dad as well. I mean, I remember being at a car show here in Thunder Bay before I lived here, um, taking picture of this Nova, uh, and it was, uh, there was a puddle by the Nova and it was like this brown, muddy old puddle, uh, just like the grossest thing you'd ever want to even think about taking a picture of. And I'm down there and I'm taking a picture across the puddle of this Nova and everybody's walking by me going, what is this guy doing? Like I'm literally lying on my belly on the ground in this parking lot. And, uh, and the finished picture is amazing because you can't see that the puddle is brown, but what you can see is the reflection of the Nova in the water. Um, and then perspective. Uh, it's all about, perspective. yeah, so it, it gave me the angle and the perspective. And that was, that was for, uh, I did that one for one of the scavenger hunts. Um, and I think the word was, uh, was dream that they'd given us for that one. Um, so it's like a dream car. It was a Nova with a, like big fat tires on it and a, and a big blower sticking out of the hood. Um, and oh, I thought, oh, 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 oh. oh, right. <laughs> and I photoshopped, <laughs> I photoshopped the license plate to say nightmare instead of uh, the actual license plate that was on the car. So, so it was, it was sort of my take on dream. Um, so that was interesting. So I, sometimes my ideas are sort out of the box. I don't, I don't get any recognition for them really uh, when I do the scavenger hunts, but I have fun creating them. So. Yeah. But knowing you the way I do for your tool of the trade to be creativity is absolutely perfect because everything I know about you is bringing a different twist to something. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. excellent. That's not cliche yeah. at all. It's accurate. Yeah. And, and then I can also be a jerk too, because you know, people sometimes they'll see my photography and, and they'll be, you know, you Oh, how did you take that picture? You know, what did you take it with? And it, it doesn't really matter what the camera was, um, as long as as long as you were creative about it and you took that picture. Um, so I, 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 I just it's sort of like the chef thing. Oh my, oh my, your your camera really takes nice, great pictures. You know, what yeah. kind of camera do you use? So, so I, I remember one day I was getting some enlargements made uh, in a in a local retailer, and uh, this woman was 
ooing and aahing about my cam my pictures and how great my camera must be and what cameras you take and at the time my cell phone was a samsung s4 so i said oh i used the samsung s4 for that picture uh, i didn't uh, but it was i was proves a the point a, i was a little bit point. Of a exactly yeah. i was in a bit of a jerky mood and i could have taken that picture with the s4 but i couldn't have blown it to 11 by uh, 14 or whatever I was blowing it up to. Yeah, it always yeah. makes me laugh when I see yeah. people post photos on Facebook and they're bragging of D500, this lens and this lens. People didn't ask. Yeah. Like, why, why, why share all that? Yeah. So do, yeah. just real quick, do you guys find that if somebody brags about the type of camera they're using, does it detract from, not like, if there's a difference between, I think, being proud of the camera that you have and bragging about the equipment that you're using and, and taking, giving the camera more credit. Do you find that that's not photography? In your perspective, like if somebody thinks it's the camera taking the the picture and not the photographer, or is there is it a fine line? Is it a really fine line? I have my opinion. I'll let you guys answer first. Yeah, um, I was gonna uh, say it seems like I'm touching a nerve here. I like no, this. You know what? <laughs> it's a good question. I, I think I think when I was when I when I was taking those photography courses, um, and I remember when I first started going to the Georgian College, the instructor. Um, one of the questions that somebody in the class asked, because I mean, I was there with a DSLR and there's a lot of DSLRs, but then there was point and shoots in the room and things like that. Um, and one of the questions in the first class was, what is the best camera? And the instructor actually answered, whichever one you'll take with you. Yep. Uh, because I have a bunch of cameras, you know, within reach here, but if I don't have one with me and quite often when I'm working, all I've got is a phone. Um, so to capture that memory, um, to take to take a, a camera with you as long as you have one um that's what's that's the best camera to have but um there and there are people in any any hobby or any profession that they'll use uh it as an example or an excuse i, I should say um to to talk about the equipment they have and and what they've got and whether whether it be a camera or a car or a computer um or uh you know, a, a chef with a, a certain type of knife. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, you've always got those ones that'll that'll talk up the equipment that they use and say that it's the best one, and that's why I use it, and that's why I get the results. But um, you can substitute camera for anything, basically. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And some some of those people just want to say, "Hey, look at me! I spent the money on the equipment." Um, whereas for me, every time I've upgraded, I've upgraded because that upgrade will serve a purpose there's a um, benefit to it yeah like i i've got i've got a, i don't know how old is it a nikon d70s brian it's uh or aurora it's 14 15 years old 14 15, years, old. years I've, old i've got a, a nikon d70s that, that sees only infrared uh infrared light and i get some fantastic pictures off it but it's not the quality of the camera it's the it's how i use it and how i learn to use it um, mm -hmm. So that's what it's. There's Brian's D70s right there. Right there. Uh, Converted to infrared, Herschel. just like Mark. That yeah. one's Herschel. His, his name is Herschel. Mine is called Sir William. Uh, <laughs> Love it. But but that's that's what I think it is. There's there's always going to be people that will talk about the equipment they have and how much money they've spent on it. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's not to say that they're not a good photographer uh, to do that with, but um, it's something that I've never really um, felt that I need to to talk about as far as the value of the equipment that I'm shooting with, because sometimes I am shooting with an, an, an iPhone or I'm shooting with a, uh, a point and shoot camera. Um, I've got a, a few of those and sometimes that's the camera you can have with you. So that's, that's what I like. Mm -hmm. What about you, Aurora? Um, yeah. So I come from a very similar, uh, uh, thought process where, uh, it's not the camera that you're using. It's, 
how you use it and what tools you use, like what lens, what lighting, whatever it may be. Um, I can make an amazing photo on a point and shoot film camera. Um, I can do the same thing on a point and shoot or a DSLR or whatever it may be. I think what's most important is like what you're using it for. Um, so like today uh, I'm using the Z6 I borrowed from the store, um, but I figured it was better than my own DSLR for the streaming, right? Um, so it does it does make sense um, to use the most updated stuff if you need it or if you can afford it um, for some people. But for me, um, I think it's more about how you use it and what what lenses and what lighting you choose and what perspective and <clears throat> angle um, to, to put a creative spin on the photo. Not to put down people who are, uh, you know, the type of people who always get the newest, the best thing. I mean, there's great photographers out there and uh, great videographers out there who do that, who buy the best gear all the time and they put it to the test. And um, I, I would never want to put those people down. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, um, that's just the way it is. But owning I, that gear, do you think, doesn't necessarily, <laughs> like if I were to go out and buy the most expensive camera in the world right now, that wouldn't yeah. necessarily mean that I would produce a good photo. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's, um, I mean, working at Henry's, we see that question all the time. Uh, what's the best camera? What's the best one for the, the cheapest amount of money? And it's hard to answer that question because it's more about, you know, actually knowing how to use it and how to mm -hmm. take the camera to its full advantages. Right? Well, and before we get into Brian's answer there too, as considering we all work in the retail environment, I feel like that's something that applies to anything, right? Any retail yeah. environment, somebody comes into and says, what's the best blank? And again, as Mark said, you could substitute these for any different product. And it's unless you know how to use it properly, it doesn't matter. I could give you the greatest phone in the world. You could sell them the greatest camera in the world. It's not going to make a difference unless you know how to properly use it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to find this out about a lot of people that we talk to on the show. And I think that's one thing I'm super excited about is that um, we're going to learn how people's creativity and the way they use their voice will supersede any equipment they use. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's uh, one of the bigger takeaways that I hope people take away from what we're talking about. Uh, Aurora says not to offend people who've had expensive gear. And, and that's exactly true. We're not trying to offend. We're just trying to say that uh, with some creativity and with learning what your personal voice uh, can bring to the table, you don't necessarily need the most expensive stuff. I mean, in photography, people have been making award-winning photos for more than 170 years. This camera here, this camera here is a 1928 Voigtlander. Takes the same quality photo today as the day, the day it was built. Um, I could go and take a photo with this and get it developed and, and have prints that I can make wall size if I wanted to. Uh, so it's not necessarily the latest and greatest. However, sorry, I am a seller what I do. I sell cameras. So I, like Aurora says, we have customers coming in all the time saying, you know, what's the best camera? And the minute I hear that question, I think there's a red flag. Like they're coming just to buy, to steal a camera. You know, that's the first thing I think. Like, what's their best <laughs> camera? Okay. So you want us to pay with a stolen credit card, do you? Um, you got your hand on the button there. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but realistically from year to year, I mean, I've been at Henry's now 15 years. I'm going to talk about that in a bit. I'm just kind of quickly answering the question. Um, I've seen a progression of technology and computers make certain things better. They make focusing better. They make high ISO better. They make, the technology has improved certain things. 
They've added video to DSLR. They've done all kinds of cool things. So when there's something that really is a benefit to your professional or hobby world in art, in photography, or in anything, that's the reason to buy a product. Not just because it's the newer, not because you've got gas, you know, gear acquisition syndrome, and you just want to go and buy stuff. By all means, the economy needs that. And I'm more than happy to be that guy to help you through that. Uh, but at the same time, if you're coming in and you're asking what's the best camera, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. I'm going to find out what you shoot, what your personal influences are, what you plan on doing in the long term. Are you printing? Are you, you know, I, I need to know these things so I can say, yes, you need to spend $5,000 or no, this $500 camera will do just as well for you. So that would be my answer. Yeah. There, I mean, gear matters. Absolutely. Uh, but it's all about the story and it's less mm -hmm. about the tech. 100%. It's one of those answers where I think I think asking the question, I knew the answer going into it, but hearing that confirmation, especially across the board, just it, it goes to show that no matter who you are, you could spend the money, but unless you have the knowledge, it won't make any difference. As it long as you won't. buy Nikon, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor unless they want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't wear my Nikon shirt. You know, it's not about that. <laughs> I, I feel like I should have a Nikon shirt. I own enough of their gear. I don't know why I don't. <laughs> uh, one of my customers, actually, Mike uh, Aurora knows Mike with the broken lens. Uh, he gave me this really cool Nikon shirt. So I'm not sponsored, but I, I like my Nikon stuff. It works for me. Um, yeah. Mark, you said in your notes that you've used Canon and other brands of point and shoots, and yeah. I love Panasonic point and shoots. And yeah. you know, I love Fuji cameras are fantastic. I love those, and there's a lot of other cameras that I really respect for what they do. They just don't speak my language. So. Mm -hmm. That, that's that. But Ryan, we want to talk about you. But before I do that, I, I just wanted to finish up with Mark. Uh, your jam. What's your jam? Oh, uh, ooh, uh, heavy. I just, I like it heavy. Um, right now I'm listening to a lot of Hailstorm. Um, and um, and I'll, I, I'll, I, there's a guy from Norway called Leo Morcioli. Uh, runs Frog Leap Studios, and he does heavy metal covers. You of, sent me some of these. Yeah, he does heavy metal covers of everyday songs. Like his version of Adele's Hello is amazing. Mm. Um, Uptown Funk, he did a heavy metal version of. So um, I just, I like it heavy. I like heavy music. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to the radio in the car, and, and I, I like it heavy, and I like it loud. <laughs> awesome. I'm into that. Awesome, awesome. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Ryan, guess what? Yeah, it's my turn. It's your turn. It's your turn. Um, now so you didn't fill out. To hear something not about photography. Exactly. You didn't fill out any notes. I have no idea what to expect. I know no. a bit about your personal history. I don't know how far you want to go into it. Um, mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, everything is on the table uh, because this is all about healing and help and and healthy and being creative and fun and expressive. And you've got some awesome stories to tell. Yeah, yeah I've got. Sorry, so, on, so, so before you start, though, I've got. I just want to throw a little projection out there. I I have a guess that I think you collect pop vinyl figures. I'm not sure why though. I'm I, sure why uh, I it's it's a it's an odd guess. I'm I'm kind of off put that you would say that, but you're right. You are right. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know where you came up with that. I mean, it's it's really just throwing me off here. But um. <laughs> okay, for those of you only listening to the audio, the wall behind Ryan. Is in all that stuff, so <laughs> yeah, just cool. a wall of Funko behind me here. Um, <laughs> what do you but, have? Like, what do you collect from that? So this wall of Funkos, uh, yeah. again, there's there's multiple walls of Funko in my house. Apparently, uh, this wall of Funkos <laughs> is all my wrestling stuff because outside of uh, this new podcast, I also host a wrestling podcast. So that's kind of the set that I use for my wrestling podcast. Um, alternatively, I do also collect a 
ton of ridiculous movie pop figures and whatever else that I think is funny. So I've got the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation set, oh, Super Troopers. I saw that. Uh, I wanted it. Oh, yeah, National Lampoon. <laughs> there's so awesome. many good ones. That it, it started as buying one. I bought a Star Wars pop when the uh, the Force Awakens came out. Now I own 200 of them, and it's it's an issue. It's a real issue. And thankfully, <laughs> I met my wife, and it stopped. And I've just got walls now. The walls aren't continuously being built. <laughs> so, yeah, it's for me, it's it's a bit of a crazy story because obviously, as Aurora and uh, Brian mentioned, I'm not into photography. I've never been someone who's great at photography in any way. But I've always been into to art, into music especially. I've always loved music, but I'm not musically talented in any way. But you express I, yourself. You are an expressive guy. And one of the things that I was so impressed with uh, when we were doing the interviews and the VIPs at Barry Wrestling and I was watching you talk to people and hearing you do things on your social media and hearing your Knights of the Squared Circle podcast, you you have great questions and you've already proven that tonight in our conversation. You are listening, you are active, and you are able to come across in a way that people can hear you, understand you, and you're respectful. And that's such a, a rare talent to be expressive and to to get your creative juices off by interviewing people and bringing out better things from other people. And that's what I've seen. No, I really appreciate you saying that. Cause it's, it's definitely one of those things where growing up, you know, I think everybody, especially in today's world with social media and all the things going on, we live in a changing world where it's hard to know how to act. I think a lot of people get confused as to how to present themselves. And I'm very fortunate that I had phenomenal parents growing up that always, you know, taught me respect, taught me how to, to present myself to other people. And I never wanted to be like, again, don't get me wrong. I could definitely swear like the rest of them. I could be a, a mean SOB, but at the end of the day, that doesn't get me anywhere. That's not going to help me accomplish anything. And that doesn't appeal to anybody, at least not the people that I want to appeal to. I want to be able to, to help people. I want to be able to relate to people and have them relate to me. So being mean, being angry and being this, this wild character isn't going to help me accomplish that. Whereas being someone that can actually relate to others, as you mentioned, listen to these stories and try to understand people better. It, to me, that's what, I, that's what I want out of my life. It makes me enjoy things a lot more when I can look at other people, hear their stories and relate them to my own. So, um, And that's, again, why I really appreciate you giving us this platform to come on here and just and listen to these other people and listen to these different creative personalities and hear how they got to where they are what it is that drives them, what it is that motivates them, because for everybody, it's different. Everybody exactly. does different things and everybody looks at life differently. And what um, might be important to you might not be important to somebody else. And what's important to somebody else might be like, holy crap, I didn't even think of that. Then and exactly. that becomes a whole new world to you. And it's like, yep. awesome. It, it's wild. And like for me, I, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I, I, I'm an open book. I have no problem telling my entire story here. Um, I was somebody who as a teenager made a lot of bad decisions. So prior to, the bad decisions, I was heavily influenced by uh, a show called Live Audio Wrestling. It was a AM radio show on Sunday nights that was Jason Agnew talking about professional wrestling, did recaps, and I would hmm. tune in every week. Actually, uh, our guest next week, Brendan, was a, uh, a regular listener as well that I found out. Um, so I got really influenced and wanted to, to pursue a career in broadcasting. And somewhere along the way, I got lost. I got heavily into drugs and partying and drinking and living that wild lifestyle. And that went on for far longer than it should have, <laughs> to say the very least. But, uh, you know, three, four years ago now, I made the decision to, to put all that behind me. I mean, I still enjoy the odd beer. I still like to enjoy the odd recreational marijuana now that it's legal here in Canada. But 
you had to put the things that were vices behind you. And thankfully, I had the right people in my corner that helped me clean my act up. And in that time now, it's been, I think, almost four years that I've been clean from anything illegal, anything that I don't want to be touching. And we're at a point now that I spent the last two years going after the things that I want, being a wrestling podcast, being a, a broadcasting career, getting involved in the wrestling world along the way. I never knew that I could just get to interview these talents, get to be involved in these different promotions, doing VIPs or on screen or in the ring, just getting to do that all because you change your perspective and change the way you mm. look at life. Um, one thing I've always said to people, especially if you're listening right now and you're, you're in a hard place, you're doing drugs, you're doing whatever, and you're not happy with where you are, or even if you're happy with where you are, but no, it's not the right place. Whether you make the decision to change right now, just know that, that decision needs to come and people will be there to help you when you decide to make that decision. Because at the end of the day, nobody can force you to, I, I could sit here and tell you to, to make the decision to change tomorrow, but whether you listen or not is going to be completely up to you. The yeah, main thing is it. that when you make that change, trust me, it is going to be the greatest thing you could do. Like, I, I cannot stress enough. I still got a long way to climb. Like, I am in no way, shape, or form out of the woods yet. But in the last three, four years, the difference that my life has had and the happiness that I've experienced compared to the, the six, seven, eight years that I was involved in this crazy world, it, it speaks volumes. And uh, I can't stress enough how much when you're ready to make that change, it will be the best change you've ever decided to make. Now, I know that you do a ton of social media. Mm -hmm. You're doing podcasting, several different kinds. I've seen just in the past couple of days, you've shared probably three or four different um, new shows that you're working on. Uh, do you find that that is helping you deal with any addictions or any kind of excess that was a, a, a trap for you before? Um, I don't think that it helps me deal with the addictions per se. I think for me, dealing with the addictions was... And again, everybody's different. So I don't want anyone to hear what I'm saying and think that, oh, that's what I have to do. But for me, I was very much, I kind of just took the reins and said, I'm not, I can't be involved in this anymore because the way my life was, was it was a miserable state. Um, at that stage, I wasn't watching professional wrestling regularly. I wasn't even, I didn't care about wrestling, to be honest. Um, and that was a weird thing for me because I was such a mega fan growing up. It was such a, a crucial part of my life for so long. I think the, to get clean from it, I guess the part that helps me fight addiction is just knowing that I don't want to be in that world. The podcasting aspect has helped me find a happiness in something that I didn't know I needed, if that makes sense. It helps me relate to other people, and I'm able to, to build these relationships that I lost when I was addicted to all these things. I'm able to, to be a person that I wasn't before. Um, I'm able to be myself, if anything else. So, Yeah, wrestling is an interesting world. Um, uh, if people are listening and don't really know the backstory of pro wrestling, it's not amateur wrestling. It's not the kind of stuff where you get points and you go to the Olympics. Um, it's a show. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of really talented athletes who plan and run a show um, with a predetermined outcome with dramatics and theatrics and athletics and all kinds of craziness that goes on. And, uh, Ryan and myself have been lucky enough to meet a lot of these guys and women and uh, promoters and all these other interesting people that are involved in the world. And it's fascinating. And there's a lot of people who do it for um, all different reasons. Some are from, uh, you know, people just like pain to people just want to express themselves like RJ City, who's more of an actor and does this great flamboyant personality. And he just twists the whole general theme of what wrestling could be and I love that side of it. And when I watch you do your interviews with these guys, you're bringing out 
a completely different side. Oh, just threw my pencil. <laughs> a completely, <laughs> a completely different side of what we would normally expect um, to hear from these burly, tough uh, athletes. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think to your point as well, um, and it, you actually, with your your statement there, it helped me answer your your previous question. I don't want to ever use wrestling or my podcasting as something that helps me stay clean from my addiction. Because the second I do that, if I ever lost wrestling, if I ever mm, lost that world, smart. then all of a sudden you never know what's, you know what I mean? I don't know mentally what that would do to me. Right now I'm at a place where as much as I love the wrestling world, if I left the wrestling world tomorrow, if the wrestling world left me tomorrow, I know that I would stay clean. I know that I'm still mentally in a place where I don't want to go back to that. So I think for me, the addiction side of it is I've had to stay mentally just I don't want to go back to that world that I was living in. Now, finding the wrestling world has been giving me a place to find my voice and find my way. But in no way do I ever want to attribute my staying clean to the wrestling world or to the podcasting world. Because, again, if I ever lost that, I it's it's a weird conundrum, right? It's a weird sort of uh, complex that you find yourself in. Well, we're seeing a lot of it, actually. There's a lot of wrestlers who can't do anything these days, and some of them are taking the opportunity to better themselves, and some of them are disappearing and falling Mm -hmm. into these traps that we've seen more recently all of a sudden of uh, big issues in that world sometimes. But uh, I think when we have the guests on, like Brendan and some of the other people that we'll have on in the future, we'll delve into that a little bit more. But um, for yourself, what would you think is the perfect solution to an end career like what is your dream this is what i'm striving for this would make every goal of mine successful in life is there something (laughs) that's that's a tough question that's it's a tough question only because i uh i try to do so much my wife gives me a lot of trouble because she says you take on way too many things as you mentioned i've dropped three or four different shows and all these different projects i'm trying to do honestly my my end goal i don't know if i have an end career but i want to be able to to talk with people, if I could make money just providing incredible content to the world by sharing different stories, helping others, and providing a life for my family, that's that's the end goal for me. That's the end career, is being able to to share stories, help others, and provide for my own family. That, to me, Beautiful. would be, that's aces. Yeah, I hear that. Totally hear that. And hey, maybe this might have something to do with that. You never there know. you go. We can never know. <laughs> that, that would be freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, do you guys have questions for Ryan? Um, so I'm, are you? And please, before, real quick, don't, don't, anything, nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits because I know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so I guess my first question would be, um, are you a wrestler? No, no. Uh, judging by these arms, not even close. Okay. <laughs> so okay. for me, I uh, I joined the wrestling world. Um, actually, I met Brian at the very first event that I ever did, which was I messaged Sean Gibson of Barry really? Wrestling. I didn't realize yep. that was your first one. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever actually heard this story, Brian, but the way I got into wrestling was I booked the very first Chris Jericho cruise. And it was I did it on a whim. I called my wife right after I did it and said I did something. And needless to say, you should always tell your wife before you book a cruise, don't do what I did. Um, (laughs) Did you take her with you? What's that? Did you take her with you? She didn't want to come. She oh. didn't want to come. Otherwise, I've tried. Mm. I tried for about six months to get her on this boat. And she says, I'm not going. I don't want to go on a boat. So wow. not without trying. Not without trying. And you're um, still together. Well done. And we're still together. Still together. <laughs> uh, actually, she's coming on the third cruise now. Fast forward two years, she is going to be coming on the third cruise. But uh, You wore her down. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
so I'm on this cruise and I ran into Scott Demore, who is the uh, he runs Impact Wrestling, one of the bigger wrestling companies. And I basically went up to him and said, listen, I have X amount of money that I want to invest into wrestling. I'd love to do it with you. And he took me aside and said, listen, kid, don't invest your money into wrestling. You're going to lose all of it. If you want to get involved, talk to and he gave me some names and basically put me in the right direction. That led me to Sean, which then led me to basically showing up to help set up a ring. Sean said, hey, we need guys to help set up the ring. I said, sounds good. And I took it upon myself to message Brendan and uh, Kobe Durst, another wrestler here on Ontario, and said, look, I'm going to be at the show setting up the ring. I also do a podcast. Would you guys like to do an interview with me? So I drove up, helped them set up the ring. It was, I think we did the ring set up at like 8 o'clock in the morning, 8 or 9 a.m. that morning. And I came, I live in Stratford about three hours from Barry. So oh, I'm up about 4 or 5 in the morning on the road by about 5.30 just so I can be in Barry for 8 o'clock and uh, set up the ring. And somewhere along the line, they asked me to do this VIP session. And that became a repetitive thing. So for every month, I just kept coming back and doing these VIP sessions. And from there, it led me into other wrestling promotions. So I had other promotions approaching me to do, whether it be VIP sessions or on-screen work to do interviews with their cat or with their, uh, their wrestlers, pardon me. It just, it grew from there. So I don't know where it's going to lead. Will I ever become a wrestler? I can guarantee you no, because I look at what these guys do and say, I don't have that sort of discipline. I don't have the muscle. I don't have the athleticism. Um, but I do love being involved in the wrestling world. I do love being a character in the wrestling world, which has been uh, huge to me. Getting to be more involved in that aspect has been wonderful. So, but no, to answer your question, I am in no way a wrestler and I will never make that claim to be a wrestler. Awesome. Awesome. I, I was just curious because I, I don't know. And I feel like maybe uh, the people who are eventually going to be listening to this um, might want to know too. So that's cool. Yeah. For sure. um, and to anybody listening to like, just because of my size, that doesn't mean that I couldn't become a wrestler. If you're small, you can easily become a wrestler. I just know I'm not going to put in that work. <laughs> I take it upon <laughs> myself to know I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to put in that work. So you also know how you want to express yourself better i mean you don't yep. want to express yourself in the ring you want to express yourself by telling or giving the the platform for the people that are in the ring to tell their story yep exactly exactly which is needed as much as the wrestler yep yeah so it's awesome um another thing i wanted to ask well like i guess not ask but i i just really appreciate that uh you came out and talked about um your battle with addiction um like i've I have people in my family who have been addicted to things or um, have really struggled with mental health. That's a big thing for me. Um, and I think it's really brave. Anytime somebody comes out and talks about it on a regular basis, I feel like it really helps uh, a lot of people. Um, even just hearing from somebody who might be struggling with that, uh, that uh, someone that they might uh I guess, admire or someone that they might just like listen to on a regular basis, um, knowing that other people have struggled with that, um, I think is really, is really helpful to other people. I appreciate so, that. Um, that's awesome. So cool. yeah, seeing and, people that are happy on the other side makes a big difference. You know, 100%, people... I, I think that that was a big thing for me was that when I, when I was waking up, I, there was one morning, and I won't share the full story, but there was one morning where I, I partied way too hard the night before. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And I woke up and it was the last time, that was the last night I ever touched anything. And I woke up that next morning and I just, I realized how bad of a state that I was in. I called a friend of mine. He took me out of town for two days. We basically went on a camping trip. He said, look, we're going to get you fixed up. We're going to get you all figured out. And seeing 
I was, I remember just being on social media and I was just looking at, uh, I can't remember who, oh, it was Steve-O. It was Steve-O's video and seeing the change that Steve-O had made. I don't know if you guys are too familiar with uh, the, the career and life change that Steve-O has made. But Steve-O, of course, of Jackass fame has gone from one of the most wild and ridiculous people in the world to a sober, cleaned up family, well, maybe not family friendly, but uh, <laughs> really, he's really changed his life and you can see how happy it made him while he got to be the same person he always was. And that to me was, it definitely sparked something that it helped make me realize that there was a better way. And so you need that. You need to have those people expressing that there's a better way to live your life and you're going to be happier if you do it. Awesome. Definitely. Mark, so anything awesome. to ask, Ryan? So, well, I just, uh, one, one thing, and something that you actually said earlier and Ryan didn't object to it. So you mentioned that wrestling, so I've got two questions, basically. You mentioned wrestling has a predetermined outcome. Um, and now I'm not a, I'm not a wrestling fan, um, per se. I mean, I, I do enjoy it when I see it. I've been to a couple of the wrestling events. So obviously we, we talked about one earlier. Um, and, uh, but I'm not somebody that follows, I'm not a sports guy. I don't, I don't follow any sports, but every now and again, I do, I do partake of an event and, and I do enjoy it when I'm there. Um, so I guess my question is how do you deal with people that are so adamant that the, that it is not predetermined, um, that they, they think it's all completely real. So it's, for me, I, I love it. Um, if somebody is adamant to the point that they won't see it any other way, I will either just start trolling them back because I understand that there's no, there's no arguing with that person at that point. They yeah. only see wrestling as it's fake. You're, I can't believe you'd watch that lame stuff, yada, yada, yada. And once they hit that point, once they're making no sense essentially and don't have an open mind to it, there's nothing I can say that's going to change their perspective. Just move on. Now, Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have coworkers at work that when I first met them, you know, they kind of had that, oh, you like wrestling, eh? But now we're at a stage, I've been working at my job now for a little over a year. And I go into work now showing them wrestling clips being like, you guys won't believe what happened on Raw, or you guys won't believe how crazy this was back in 2006. So even though they're not wrestling fans, and they know that it's, it's fake, quote unquote, they're able to appreciate it, whether they're going to watch it on their own is moot but the fact that they're able to at least respect it when i'm showing it to them and, and show a genuine interest that means the world to me if you are just going to be closed-minded there's no there's no proving you any different i find the only way to prove anyone who's that closed-minded is to physically show them and if they don't if they see it and still feel that way there's nothing else you can do i mean exactly as brian said hands up you walk away i mean that's perfect Perfect. Yeah. And it's, it's so in so many areas of life, it's better just to just to put your hands up and say, okay, and, and just walk away from it and just let them be. Uh, yep. So my second, my second question for you is uh, now, obviously you work, uh, you, you mentioned you work for Radio Shack, um, but, uh, but also you've got uh, the, the podcasts going um, and, and it sounds like you've got a lot of different projects. When, when did you decide or when did you realize that you wanted to broadcast? I mean, obviously you've got one of those voices that, I mean, I think no matter what the subject, I think people will listen to you because you've got a voice that draws people in. But when did you decide that broadcasting is what I want to do? I decided actually, it's funny you mentioned that on Facebook today, I shared a post um, promoting this uh, channel called Byte Television. It was a small local channel in Toronto and it was run by Jason Agnew, the same guy that did the uh, the wrestling radio show that I listened to. So early on in high school, I had actually started a podcast called The Three-Way Podcast. And this was well before podcasts are where they are now. Not gonna lie, this is one of the few things that I think I was ahead of my time on, where I launched this podcast and nobody was doing podcasts. And because of that, 
my podcast obviously went nowhere because <laughs> nobody knew what a podcast really was. The only people doing podcasts were the ones listening to podcasts. And that was, it was a pretty uh, small yeah. world at that point. Um, and because of that, there was a weird stage where shortly after that, I got into the drugs, I got into making the bad decisions and it fell out. It wasn't until I got cleaned up and about a year after staying clean and staying on the right path that I started to think, okay, well, what do I want to do with my life? Because I clearly don't want to stay in retail my whole life. As much as I love it, it's not what I want to do. And that's when I thought back to being in high school, what it was that I wanted to do before I made those bad decisions. And it led to Night to the Squared Circle. Being on the Jericho Cruise had a big part of that because, again, doing something that I never thought I'd get to be a part of. Prior to that Jericho Cruise, I had never traveled. I had never gone anywhere. I was somebody who, again, made bad decisions. Those people stay at home. I was living in a basement, essentially, if I was lucky. So going on that cruise really kind of helped me appreciate where I was in my life at that point. And it, it sparked a fire in me. So when I got off that boat, I think it was in, the cruise was in October, Night to the Squared Circle launched, uh, what was it? I think my first Barry event wasn't too long after the cruise. I want to say four months after the cruise, I attended the very first Barry Wrestling event and did a VIP session. Night to the Squared Circle wasn't a thing at that point. It was I was just trying to do interviews and and figure out what I could do and if I was able to do it. And it wasn't long after that that I launched the podcast. And now we're all all uh, guns blazing. So very cool, awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Tools of the trade, Ryan. Tools of the trade. For me, it's got to be my mic here. I've always got my Yeti with me. Um, I bring that to every Barry wrestling event, any wrestling show that I go to, every show that I work on, that thing. There you go. Yep. The Yeti is definitely my Yeti. tool of the trade. Got the Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alternatively, though, as, as you mentioned, it's creativity and it's personality. For me, if I don't have my personality, if I'm not turned on, then there's nothing. I'm not creating good content and people aren't going to want to listen. If I come out and just go... Hey Brian, so uh, what do you want to talk about today? How's how's things going in photography? It just it doesn't work, right? You have to be turned on. You have to be able to go at a, a high level. So awesome, very cool. All right, and what's your jam? My jam right now is Tom McDonald, actually, a very controversial rapper who's been uh, out for a couple of years now. I'm into everything. I've been working in radio for about a decade, so. Um, I've, I've worked at a country music station. I've worked at classic rock stations. I've worked at a, a whole variety of places. So I love all types of music, but Tom McDonald is definitely what I've been playing nonstop for a few weeks. So awesome. Awesome. Very cool. I love everybody's got something totally different so far. Yeah. No, this I love the variety. Group. The diversity of the group is, uh, definitely makes for an entertaining episode. And so far, nobody's I hope, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I was literally just about to say, so far, nobody's talking over each other. And I talked over you. So, <laughs> yeah, we all knew Brian over here. He's just he's the bossiest guy. He's trying to control the whole thing. He's just <laughs> bound to happen eventually, I guess. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. That has been great so far. And uh, now we've been on for an hour and 17. So we got to say goodbye. Thank you all very much for listening today. And oh, uh, before we leave, before we leave, Brian, Brian, sir. Brian. Sir, this corner, there's a guy that we missed. There's a guy that we haven't talked about quite yet. Yeah. You had to call me on that, didn't you? I was just going to say, oh, you're not getting out of it that easy. <laughs> all right. Um, no, that's that's cool. Um, I am Brian Weiss. Hello, everybody. Um, and I, Brian, got, nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you, too. I got a text earlier that I'm being very loud. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be all ex like I usually am. But, uh, yeah, I guess I call myself the lazy photographer. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that I love to do. Um, before I was in photography though, like 
I actually had a whole life before I even had a camera. I didn't have a camera until I started working at Henry's. So I never really had a, I guess when I was younger in Montreal, my uncle owned a camera store and uh, he got my brother a Yashica SLR kit for his bar mitzvah when he was 13. Of course, I was never allowed to touch that camera. So I was always on the outs of the photography world. By the time I turned 13, my parents had split and I never really had any kind of bar mitzvah per se. I had like, I read a paragraph in front of a reformed synagogue I'd never been to before. The paragraph was to be a Jew. And here's me, I'm not really I'm more Jew-ish, I guess you could say, uh, than Jew. But that's just because I, I didn't really have it in my life a whole lot once I was over a certain age. So I never really practiced it. And to be honest with you, I'm not a religious kind of person. I, I'm, I believe in faith. I believe in being strong and being good person and treat people like you want to be treated. But as far as needing a religion for that, that's not really been my thing. So uh, the bar mitzvah thing wasn't really a big deal to me. But I got like a 110 camera. My my brother gets this thirty five millimeter rig, and I get this little one ten Kodak. Is yay? Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it certainly it certainly didn't encourage me to get into photography. Let's just put it that way. Um, but since then, since uh, I I grew up and didn't have to worry about being bitter about that, uh, <laughs> um, I've done a lot of stuff. Uh, thankfully, when I started working at Henry's, I was opened up to all kinds of opportunities, which was great. Uh, before that, I'd sold car audio and home audio video for uh, since 1990, I guess. And um, I'd sold a lot of stuff in retail. Retail's always been my world because that's what I knew. But when I started working at Henry's, all of a sudden, two years after I started, I approached the owner at the time, Mark Wilson, and I asked him at a, a Henry's Exposure show, hey, would you mind if I started this business called Day Tripper Photo, teaching people photography in the field, like going to Algonquin or local walks on the Tom Taylor Trail or... Um, what's morphed into like burning steel wool and um, birds of prey workshops and all kinds of really cool uh, photo classes, but hands-on because at the time Henry's was teaching people in a school of imaging classroom. And I hear them leaving the class and thinking to themselves, I, what did I learn? Like what, how am I going to retain this information? I just sat in the classroom and learned. So I thought, let's get them out in the field. And when Mark said, yeah, sure, go for it that gave me permission to really expand on that and start to build workshops. And uh, eventually I was doing one to two workshops every month uh, through the entire year, uh, fast forward 13 years to COVID and I uh, had nothing to do all in 2020, which was hard uh, when you, when you're doing so many workshops and um, all kinds of different things. Like I, I started the new market camera club, I, had, I ran a photo expo in 2015 when I rented the entire Newmarket uh, community center and had nine different photo instructors and 30 workshops over two and a half days. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, I had a TV can I, show. Can, can I interrupt for a quick second, Brian? Sure. Yeah. Because I'm just kind of curious because I feel like you and I are very similar in the sense that we both, I think, leading into like pre-COVID, we both were working on projects. We both had things going for us and had different as like with the day tripper events you were doing with the Knights of the Squared Circle sessions. We both had things that were sidelined by by COVID and by 2020 and then had we were forced to adapt to uh, a different way of presenting our content. I know for you, you were doing different live streams at one point in your backyard just to mm -hmm. be like, hey, these are the workshops that I can provide. This is the only way. I can do it. I made some of my favorite photos doing that too, actually, which was yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, it's true. Having nothing to do forces you to think outside the box and to, you know, um, dig deep. Am I a creative? Uh, is it just a, a fake thing? Like, do I have any kind of merit? Do I, 
I don't submit my photos for photo contests. I don't put myself out there to get hired to do work because it's not my thing. You know, it doesn't make me happy. Um, actually, there's a story there. When I was, I don't know, considering to get hired to do work, I did one job where I was down in the city taking pictures at the uh, Christmas parade, the Toronto Christmas parade. And the job was to photograph the clowns at the beginning of the parade. I don't know if you know the story of the clowns, but they're celebrities and people with lots of money and they pay huge money to dress up like a clown and walk at the front of the Toronto parade. And that money has actually saved the parade from going bankrupt a couple times because it's big money. These people pay, okay. but because they're paying so much money, they want to have photos. So I was hired by the person who was hired to do the photos to be his second. And we set up uh, backdrops and we took pictures of all the clowns and we had a great time doing that. And then we followed the parade in the bus and taking pictures of all the clowns in the parade. And, you know, I'm all about story. When I shoot pro wrestling, I'm trying to create a story in the photos. I don't want to have just uh, a static picture of a wrestler's face or, you know, just something boring. I, I'm trying to have I usually have the three people in there, the the ref and the two wrestlers, and there's some sort of interaction going on between them. And I like that kind of thing. I, I always want there to be a story and an image. So when I was uh, doing this, I, it was you know, it was just weird for me to 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 not put a story in there. So here I am on the on the bus with all the clowns throwing beads out the window, and I'm shooting from behind the clowns, so you can see the people catching the bead, and I'm shooting jump off the bus and shoot the crowd catching the beads and trying to get these different perspectives and stories going on. And when I submitted the photos, he's like, well, we can't use two thirds of these. So, and I was just like, what, what you, what's wrong with them? Well, you know, I'd, I'd have to edit them and I'd have to do this and that. And they're, they're not usable. So I can only use a, like a 30 year images. And I'm like, I felt horrible. Like I submitted images that weren't functional. So that's when I came up with the whole philosophy. I shoot for me. And that has been my hashtag since 2017 when I did this. And uh, it's really given me the permission to just do me and not worry about fulfilling other people's needs, which mm -hmm. is extremely important for somebody with my kind of brain uh, where I'm extremely hypercritical of everything I do. And I don't think what I do is great. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to these same kind of um, things. I think but, you're among friends here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why all of us are kind of connected to the concept of the show is that we're able to, you know, bring people up with uh, the the struggles that we've had and the struggles our guests will have had. And I, I think that's super important to hear that even though you may not think you're worth it, you just keep on doing you and something's going to happen. Whether this happens or the next thing happens or I'm just making myself happy, that's all that really matters. So I Shoot For Me became kind of my life motto. Um, and it was important. It was very, very important to me. And it, one of the things that really struck me with all of our conversation is that family has a big part to do with it. Um, our families have had huge influences on our lives. Uh, Aurora, your parents were both musicians. So were mine. My father was a, uh, a folk music player in a band called the Yeoman. So I remember in Montreal growing up five years old, four years old, hearing my father and his band playing downstairs where there's me trying to go to sleep upstairs and I don't want to sleep. I want to go and play with the, the band and I want to hear the music. And that started my trend on never sleeping. <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, you see all these things that happen to you as you're growing up that kind of mold who you end up becoming. And, and that whole concept is extremely fascinating to me. Um, I used to be into music. Well, I am into music. Music is my life. Uh, there's 
pretty much music playing in my head 24 seven. Um, and it has to be something with drums because I used to play the drums. I say used to, because I have a drum set. It's just all folded down and I haven't played in a decade really. But, uh, I think once you're in music, it's like Mark, uh, you, you have guitars, you say, yeah, a couple hanging around, <laughs> but you don't consider yourself to be a guitar player per se. I, well, I don't No. It's like me. Like I played the drums and I, I can hold a beat. In fact, a guest that we have coming up in a future episode, Mikey Cuthbertson, was nice enough to have me on stage at a jam night one day where all my coworkers at work got to see me play, which was really cool. Um, but, you know, these things come and go. And, and when I lost drumming because, you know, I moved into a semi-detached home and I have my mother-in-law in the basement, I'm not going to go clanging on a drum set in here. Uh, I had to find something else to do. And that's when photography fell in my lap. And that's when I started working at Henry's. Uh, and since then, I got to tell you, it's been pretty awesome. I mean, with all the day tripper stuff I've done and with all the people I've met and with all of the um, inspiration that I get from people who say I help them, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That, that is like a huge success for me. So as far as I'm concerned, um, my qualifications for being here are merely that I love photography. I think I, I love hearing the stories. I know I love hearing the stories of the people we're going to be talking to. I feel I'm a creative in that I have a lot of um, things that I feel like I want to do. And I think this is just a, a great, great idea, a great mix for us to, to just get the stuff out there. And you know, you nailed it, Brian. You're not, uh, you're not wrong when you say you're hypercritical of yourself. I no, will admit that. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Just hearing you say like, hearing you say like, you know, I, I think I'm a creative mind. I mean, Brian, just personally, as somebody who's, I've only known you, I think now for maybe two years, roughly. About that, yeah. About that, yeah. And in the two years, we've we've only seen each other at wrestling events. But when we catch up, you know, we get along fairly well. Everything I've ever seen you put out, every photo you put out, you can tell there's there's art. Here's the thing: I could never create what you create, at least not at my skill level now. You know what I mean? I need to put in the work. I would need to put in a lot of, of learning just to get to where you're at right now. So to say that I think I'm a creative mindset, I want to at least assure you that you definitely are. I well, think there's a mind, lot of people that will back you up on that. Well, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do. Um, but keep in mind, too, as far as pro wrestling photography was going, I've been doing that since 2007. Mm -hmm. So you say you'd have to put a lot of work into it. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. And I did. And it doesn't mean that I am where I want to be. There's a lot of wrestling photographers that I look at and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, shooting the indies and, you know, Speedy Photo and all these other amazing shooters out there that I, I want to have on this show eventually. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people that I see with a different artistic flair that just they're different. And I love that. Uh, but, you know, I just do me. So if people, oh, that's, all, that's it, all we that's, can do. That's exactly. all we can do is, is do us. And yeah, I, so I want to assure you that you are definitely a creative personality. There is no question about that. Yeah. yeah I feel absolutely. like a lot of artists um, and creatives are very critical of themselves. They're very mm -hmm. scared to put out what they've created. Um, yep. Like from the same mindset of myself, like I can sing, but I don't like singing in front of people. I hardly sing in front of my boyfriend. I hardly sing in front of my friends and my family that I've known for my entire life. Um, but, uh, you know, you have one person say something uh, that kind of puts you down or you have one thought in your mind that kind of gets you thinking very critically uh, of yourself. Um, and I think a, a good conversation that'll come out of this criticism and this critiquing of yourself is try not to do that as much 
I've been trying, uh, especially over the last year and a half, um, I've been really trying to focus on myself and focus on trying not to second guess myself all the time, trying not to second guess what I do. Um, and you end up doing more things and trying more and learning more as a result of that. So I feel like anybody who is going to be listening, I hope they're inspired by that. Even if you yeah, make there's... a mistake, even if you make something that doesn't look good or sound good or you you not you don't put out your best performance like in wrestling or dance or whatever it may be, you can still make more, you can still learn from it. There's there's definitely a healthy balance between cocky and confident. Um, yes. at the end of the day, you you have to be confident in what you're doing. And even when you're especially with us, I know all of us can relate to this. We are all hypercritical of the content that we're trying to put out there and the content that we're making. And at the end of the day, what I think you guys can all relate to this as well. We still put it out there, not mm. all of it, but we still, at the end of the day, we, we finally find that strength to put it out there. And it's realizing that even those things that we're still, there's things that I have not put out yet. And I'm sure you guys are in the same boat. There are things that on the, in the back of your mind, you're like, you know what, I, I can't put this out. And that for whatever reason, you're, you're criticizing it and I'm doing the same thing. But at the end of the day, we know we're gonna put that out. We know if we don't, it's just gonna sit and fester on our minds regardless. So at a certain level, you have to hit that confidence. And as I mentioned, there's a fine line between confident and cocky. True. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that pulled me out of doing camera clubs is uh, ego. And uh, we, we touched on the topic of gear earlier, how I'm not a big fan of um, you know boasting about gear because to me, a lot of that's ego. You know, look at my expensive camera, look at my expensive lenses. Like I go to take pictures where there's a bird sighting or something and people show up with this equipment like, like, dude, all you really need is just something straightforward and, and some understanding of what you're doing. Anyway, that's that's a side point. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, what I find about photography that was so important to me and what really helped me was it really showed me that I can control time in a photo. I can really express myself with just time and light which is just so crazy of a concept um, being able to make blur in certain areas and sharpness in certain areas to make something look like it's moving through a frame or yeah. any of those things. And when I started doing some shots that people looked at and were like, Oh cool. Like the rodeo photo that I made or, you know, a photo here or there uh, that gave me some confidence that I didn't really think I'd ever get. Uh, I've worked with some pretty impressive talent in Henry's new market, uh, Peter McKinnon, just to name one who, you know, if, if people follow YouTube, they know that Pete's been pretty influential in a lot of video makers and things like that. And when you work with people like that and you're hanging out at work and you like trying to edit something and Pete comes over and goes, Hey, why don't you just do this? And you look at your photo and you're like, uh, how did you do that? You know, like, <laughs> Oh my God, I can't, you are a magician, you know, like, and then I, I would never have thought to do that. And meanwhile, it just took Pete like 20 seconds to just like, whoop, 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 and, Right. Yeah. Anyway, so when you compare yourself to people like that, it's very hard to walk away with any confidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been very fortunate to, and even some situations. And Mark, you know, again, I give you huge credit in my world for bringing me out of a very bad funk one time. And I think you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> yeah. where, you know, I was um, having a conversation with a mentor and, uh, you know, some words were said that basically came down to that. I don't really have any photos to represent my brand. So how can I expect to, you know, promote my business that way? Because my photos aren't good enough. And this was from somebody who was like uh, somebody that theoretically I was paying to teach me. 
And I was just, I was done. And sorry, just so I have this yeah. right, this is somebody that you're paying to teach you, and he's telling you that your photos aren't good enough. To, to promote my brand, pretty much, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. And so, Mark immediately messages I, me in the background, like, dude, don't listen to this. Right. Listen to I, well, I you're a smart it. man, Mark. You're a very smart yeah. man. Well, okay, so so we'll, let's go into a little a little background. I actually have a question for Brian that I'll throw out there. Um, but first off, when when I started um, really taking photography to the next level, like when I was taking it in college, um, I, I started wanting to take uh, courses and, and learn more. Um, there was a few photographers um, that, that were those people that I looked up to. They were the ones that I was like, oh, my God, if I could only one day shoot like this person. And one of those people on that very short list, the name was Brian Weiss. And I always wanted to, to shoot like Brian. I always wanted to, to be able to be like Brian. Um, now, on your day trip, uh, my, now my wife and I both came on it to um, uh, Joker's Hill. That's um, right. You, yeah. you had the one photo that was on the wall for the longest time. I know um, we've been talking a very long time. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the the one photo that uh, that was on the the wall that was um, of Joker's Hill that you took. That's part of the reason why I went on that trip. I wanted to see that photo. I wanted to try and emulate it myself, and that's what I started trying to do. So so um, that's where I saw that. But my question becomes: When did you decide you wanted to be an educator um, to teach photography? Um. Honestly. I did that out of necessity yeah. at the beginning. Um, I did that out of just, uh, you know, seeing the people leaving that classroom confused and knowing yeah. that I had a way of explaining it better. And then once I found that that way actually was clicking with a lot of people, I just took that to the day tripper concept and it just, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I love being on a trail with somebody and being able to say one little nugget of information, have them go, Oh my God, I can't believe I never got that before. And then they could take that somewhere totally different. Uh, that to me is the happiest thing. If I can give a couple little nuggets to somebody and have them be a, a photographer that's 20 times better than I could ever be, that's that's my mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. Like I'm not here to make photos that I'm going to sell or to get those wedding jobs that I'm going to make $4,000 a pop from. I'm here to get you to do that and to make everybody else make that income if that's what they want to do. So. Yeah. That's Perfect. when I started feeling really inspired by it. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Um, yeah. Ryan just had to take off for a quick second. He'll be right yeah. back. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I guess that's pretty much me. I'm, yeah. I just love photography. I love doing this stuff. And I'm so happy you guys all agreed to be a part of the Expressions podcast. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been talking a really long time tonight. So uh, yeah. I'm sure a lot more of our personalities and our stories are going to come out through other episodes as we interview other people. Um, super excited about some of the people that we have coming up soon. Uh, I just, I, we have a whole list of people. We have actually have uh, the next, I don't know, eight weeks yeah. booked with interviews, yeah. which is really great. Um, yeah. I do want to say one thing though, before I go, what, one of the things, and again, I talked about this earlier. One of the things that I think is the most important thing about any creative is understanding your story, understanding where you came from, understanding the influences that brought you to where you are today. Uh, I can pin all of my photography and all of my appreciation for art down to one visit to a museum that my mother took me to in Massachusetts that I, I found. I was going to ask you about this because oh, we had this, such an interesting conversation about this and I didn't want this to not uh, not be mentioned. So Oh, cool. <laughs> um, 
Well, I was, uh, I don't even know what brought us to do it, but my mother brought me to this museum in Massachusetts somewhere. Uh, actually, let's see if it's on here. Yeah, Williamstown, Massachusetts at the Sterling and Francine Clark Art Institute. And I'm saying that because I have the cards that I bought when I was there. I must have been 13 years old, maybe a little bit younger. But we show up at this exhibit or at this museum, and I saw the work of Frederick Remington. Now, I've got the postcards of Remington that I bought when we were there. Let's see if I can get this to focus in. This is one called The Scout. And it just, I saw the original, and with all the texture of the paintbrush and with all the detail and the differences between the whites, on, I guess on this side of the paper, uh, the whites back here and the whites here and the white coming out of the horse's nose and just seeing all that texture and all the differences that, that he made in the art. It was like, holy crap, this guy really knows what he's doing. He's able to tell a story. Like this shot right here, another one of the photos that really stuck out for me. Let's see if I can get that to focus in. They're paintings, right? Yes, paintings. Yeah, I was going to um, say, that's oil, oil paintings for sure. Sorry, oil paintings. Um, but just the, the guy with the horse, and, and uh, it's almost impossible for me to do this. I don't think my lens focuses close enough. But bottom line is they touched me in a way that I still have the cards today. And I've moved so many times and these cards come with me every time I move. And uh, it's really been a foundation of my appreciation for what I like. I like rodeo. I like horses. I like action. I like movement. I like story. I like all of these things that make uh, a viewer look at a photo and go, holy crap, or wow, that's got color. I love light painting. As you can see, I like color in my stuff, right? So it's that molded me to where I am today. And it, I didn't even know it until I got into photography years later. So I like to give these influences. I like to give these moments to people. I love teaching at McMichael Art Gallery, uh, their summer program or their spring programs, teaching the kids photography. I love opening people's eyes to something that may not have ever been open to them before. And then who knows what can happen with that. So hopefully this show is gonna do that for people. Hopefully with all the different diverse guests that we're gonna have on, uh, people are going to start to see that it doesn't matter if you're a photographer or if you're a musician or if you're a podcaster or if you're a woodworker. And by the way, I just got confirmation a few minutes ago that my friend, the woodworker, is going to be a guest on our show. So All that's right, awesome. Brian, friend, the woodworker. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler McRae, can't wait. Um, but these are all the people that we're going to find something new about and the tools of the trade. You know, what's important to you? What makes your day better? That's going to give people that want to do that a tool that they may not have thought about or um, the, the music, like what triggers your music is going to give people an insight into what we like and all the, our personalities and all of these questions and all these opportunities that we have, uh, in this podcast, I'm just so excited about. So, uh, one quick story, actually, I want to bring up just hearing you show those photos and the, the oil paintings there. Um, you guys were asking earlier about, you know, tr tools of the trade and what we like. We were all showing off our Yeti mics, um, earlier about, I want to say, three three years ago so quite earlier <laughs> um i found my original podcast mic so when i was mentioning earlier i did the three-way podcast i came across the very first mic i'd ever purchased i bought this from a local walmart in Aurelia, ontario i went in it's a little clip on mic about this big just sits right there it's this cheap little probably ten dollar mic and i recorded at least 40 hours plus worth of podcast when i was 14 15 on this little thing I recently discovered it and that helped me realize what it was I wanted to do. So you never know what it is that you've got from your childhood, what it is that that really sparked an interest that yeah. that you could hold on to and, and you don't even realize it. But I held on to this mic for 
10, 15 years now without realizing that it, it was so important to me. And once I found it again, I thought, this is why I never threw this thing out. I didn't throw this out because I wanted to, to look back and go, this is where it all started. That's right. Those are they're so important. All these influences mm -hmm. are so important. Um, uh, I'm going to go over my quick tool of the trade, and it's going to be something that you may not have expected. Uh, three things, actually. First of all, I know it sounds silly, but this memory card wallet. Um, this is such a cool accessory. This blue strap, no matter where this is in my camera bag, I find it every time. Uh, it holds a ton of memory cards. It makes it very easy to find my stuff. Uh, I put a card in upside down if I've used it, and normal if I haven't. It's this little system I've worked out. And I know it sounds really silly, but this small little memory card wallet is such a handy thing to have. And you've always got your cards, and I can find it everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah, you got your think tank wallet right there. Um, another thing that I always have on me is my flashlights. Um, anybody that knows me knows I've always, always got a flashlight on my hip whether it's a one with multiple colors or if it's just the standard mag light that I have here on my hip all the time. Uh, you never know when you can use a good flashlight. And the last thing is my Leatherman tool because it doesn't matter what camera I have, which is usually the Schwartz, my Nikon D7100, uh, or something I've borrowed like a D780 or something like that, which I love. Uh, no matter what camera I have, I'm always using my Leatherman to screw the pieces in the bottom or to pull something out of somewhere if I have to, or to cut something or to cut tape or, I mean, there's, I use this thing probably 20 times a day and I've had this one for about 15 years now. So um, those are the weird things that you might not have thought about. Maybe people would think it's a lens or a camera bag or whatever, but these are things that make my daily better and they help me be more creative and they help me express myself better. So I thought I would use those as my uh, tool of the trade. Awesome. Um, I really liked your uh, discussion about the piece of art that could kind of track back to uh, what sparked your creativity. Um, do Ryan and Mark have something like that? That kind of one, either if it's wrestling, like one performance that stuck out in your mind and that really wowed you or uh, Mark, like a particular photo or piece of artwork, whatever it may be. Do you have something like that? I mean, for me, it was, I mean, the microphone definitely was def now the microphone for sure. That microphone. initial microphone was when I saw that for the first time, when I impacted a few years ago, again, I wasn't doing a podcast. I was pretty much just this guy that was trying to figure out where he was going in life. And I yeah. found this little mic and went, I don't know why I still have this. Why did I hang on to this? And it's because I'm nostalgic and I always thought, who knows, maybe I'll be able to sell this when I'm rich and famous. And that was the very <laughs> first mic I ever used, right? But uh, it was yeah, seeing cool. that mic again that really sparked a, a creative flame in me that, again, it's not the reason I got back into it, but seeing that definitely planted the seed. Okay, awesome. And how about you, Mark? Um, I don't know if there's any uh, a piece of art or an, an item. I mean, I still have that first 35 millimeter fixed focal length camera that my dad gave me that I took that first photography course with. It's in my case. And um, I actually shot a roll of film with it a couple of years ago. I haven't, haven't developed it yet, but I should do that. But um, I still have that. That's probably my, my anchor item. Awesome. What about you, Aurora? Uh, I still have the first camera that was ever gifted to me. Um, it's like this crappy... 35 millimeter Vivitar fixed focus, no zoom. 
I have that pointed to you. It's at the bottom of my camera showcase of over 40 cameras. Wow. Um, but yeah, I have that. So I guess that would be my cool. item. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. All right, now, well, Brian, before we wrap up, Brian, you had mentioned at the start here that there is going to be a challenge at the end of every episode. Yes. So please, I'm curious, what is this challenge? I've been all right. waiting all episode. Okay, well, I've got the challenge, but first I just want to say my jam. Oh, yeah. is, uh, I have to say it's probably one of two songs, either uh, Tool, 46 and 2, which Great is my tune. number one song of all time. Great if tune. you haven't heard it, mm -hmm. uh, I, I ask you to grace yourself with it. And also um, Tool, again, their newer song, Numa, which has become uh, the story of my life. It's about uh, your spirit and your, your Numa is your spirit and your connection to the world. And uh, it's just... Uh, musically phenomenal and if you understand the lyrics it's just like ridiculous so yeah those are my jams but uh as far as uh <laughs> this challenge goes okay so the challenge i'm going to issue and since the three of us are photographers i'm going to go out here and, and normally again the, the, the guests are going to choose the challenge for the viewers and uh in the future once we get these um if we get viewers and, and things like that take off, we're going to probably share these challenge results and we're going to do these challenges ourselves in the future and so on. Um, our challenge this week is called Naked Photography. Go for it. No, I'm just, that's not what I'm talking Allow me to take the reins on this one, guys. <laughs> so here, here's Naked Photography. This is something I've actually... Uh, issued a few times through my, my day tripper web show that I did. Um, it's an interesting concept. So we talked about how gear is so important for people. The naked photography challenge is you set yourself up in an environment with your camera, one camera with one lens in a 10 foot by 10 foot room. Um, and you have to make 20 photos only five of which have to be wall worthy. You can't edit. You've got to shoot in JPEG. It's all in camera. So when people rely on their Photoshop or their different lens selections or the super high-end cameras, you're really giving up creativity to the tool. And uh, we see this all the time, Aurora customers coming in, I wanna buy the best camera because I wanna make better photos, or this person has this camera and makes great photos, I want the same camera. And we both know, okay, if, if this is gonna make your photography better, I'll sell you the camera, but otherwise you're just spending money, which is great for the economy, as I said, and I'm, I'm more than happy to sell you stuff, but. I want people to be more purposeful in life, not just in photography. I want you to be purposeful in life. And the Naked Photography Challenge makes you become purposeful. It makes you use a digital camera like it's a film camera. Um, in the past, one of the things that I've done is I've used my camera with just a 50 mil lens. And in photography, one of the things you can do is you can reverse mount your lens in some cases or you can kind of take your lens off and move it around like this. It's called free lensing, where you just kind of leave the camera close, but you get tilted and light bending in different directions by moving it around like this. So I was able to, in one 10 foot by 10 foot area, take all of these pictures with different looking things that looked like macro and looked like all these really cool things just with one lens, one camera, no editing, shooting in JPEG, and that's the challenge. Naked photography, bare bones, no fluff, no editing, and you make five images that you really appreciate. And I still have those photos that I made in my first naked photography challenge that I look at today. I'm like, yeah, they still hold up. They're still a decent image because you're thinking more. You're like looking around. If this was my area, 
the texture on the top of the Yeti microphone is really cool. And the way the light's hitting it, I can get some really cool effects from that. Or, you know, the condensation on the, the top of my Yeti mug. Or the, by taking a flashlight and shining it through the mug and getting refraction or a different kind of color from the lights uh, or from the, the plastic. It's just thinking differently. So, so don't 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 gang up on me, guys. Don't gang up on me here. Where that's what? Yeah, just I'm gonna I'm gonna try and distance <laughs> myself as best as possible. But I don't own a camera. <laughs> but you have a cell phone. I do. As long as you guys are okay with me using a cell phone and not like any 100%. sort of standard digital. Okay, perfect. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There's no rules. It just means well, there are rules. You can't you can't edit and that kind of stuff. But I mean, think there's no rules to imagination. So. Uh, if anybody's listening to this and you want to take advantage of this challenge, uh, feel free to uh, post it on the comments of this. Uh, send us an email to uh, expressionsthepodcast at, um, at gmail.com. That's, I believe, what it is, expressionsthepodcast at gmail.com. Well, I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we'll be able to see those images. But you know what? We've been talking for almost two hours, and I know this is our first episode and yep. uh, we will cut this down a little bit, but it's still going to be a long episode. We're going to try and keep these episodes in future to around an hour. But I think um, out of respect to each of us individually, it was essential for us to get our story out and to let yep, people know sure. why we're doing it. So I appreciate you guys staying as late as you did. Uh, Mark, your wife, Chris, I appreciate her letting uh, this go on as long as it did. And I just got to say, I think it's pretty sweet that all four of us are all in retail to some capacity. We are all kind of married to some capacity i know aurora's not like technically but you've been together for 10 years so i mean common law and all uh, <laughs> um, none of us have children not in the human capacity at least that i know of ryan no not yet i not hope yet. not okay <laughs> so i got some explaining to do if i have <laughs> even okay. though we're all so different we have so many common uh, things which yeah. i think is awesome so excellent uh, and I think that's about it. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I really appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully, you got through the whole conversation with us. Uh, for me, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Aurora, what do you have to say before we say goodbye? Um, don't ever lose your creativity just because somebody, you know, might put you down or you may critique yourself too hard. That's all I had to say. <laughs> awesome. Mark? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have any words of wisdom. <laughs> that's wise uh, right there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, no words for me. I'm, I'm good. Awesome. <laughs> Ryan? I, I just want to appreciate uh, everybody that's tuned in tonight. I know, as Brian mentioned, it's been a two-hour show, but it's been integral to get all of our stories told and give you guys an introduction as to what expressions it's going to be. So yeah. I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in, and uh, I really look forward to what the future of expressions is going to be. Awesome. Excellent. Okay, um, before I say goodbye to everybody, I just want to remind everybody mental health is real. Uh, take care of your mental health. Take care of yourself. Uh, we at Henry's have a foundation called the Henry's Foundation for Mental Health. All that money goes to CAMH, Kids Health Phone, Jack.org, things like that. So it's a pretty worthy cause to, to support. Uh, I'm probably going to be talking a little bit more about that as we go forward. Uh, Mark, you also had um, uh, something that you really care a lot about. Yeah, actually, um, with Shoppers Drug Mart, um, we host the Run for Women every year, um, and that's coming up. Uh, they're all over Canada. If you go to runforwomen.ca, you'll see 
um, all the different runs that there are. Um, I'm participating virtually this year. It's a virtual run because we can't get together as a group. Um, so we're, we've signed up and we're virtually running with the Ottawa group. Um, so that's uh, excellent. And, and uh, the group of stores here in Thunder Bay and surrounding area are doing that. Um, and all of the proceeds go uh, towards women's mental health charities. So super um, so important. Another, another great, uh, another great organization. Awesome. Um, something actually I do want to mention as well. Um, I quite regularly get together with a group of guys that are struggling with addiction. If you're somebody that is going through that, just know that we are here to help you out. And if you're ever just feeling lost or dark or confused, send me a message and I'll get you in with us. Basically, we just get together and we will sit there and I, I try and help these guys as much as we can. They help me as much as they can. So please reach out if you're in the dark spot right now, because trust me, you're not alone. And we'll put links to all of this stuff in our show notes when it's all up and ready for you guys to see. Uh, thank you all so much, Aurora, Mark, Ryan. You guys are awesome. I'm so excited for where this is going to go. And I'm going to say goodbye now because uh, I think Mark's going to get beat pretty soon. So, <laughs> 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 All right. Take care, everybody. Right. Take care. Stay safe Bye. and keep shooting. Okay. Ooh, ooh.